comes out and you don't want a rocky soil, you don't want a hard soil. Right now, if you went and tried to dig, it would be hard because it's dry. You're not a dry ground. You're a ready ground. Are you a ready ground? Shake your head. I'm a ready ground. I, I, you need the word today. I believe that it's a generational word. I just felt like the Lord said that, that this word isn't just for you, but it's for the generations to come and the, the present generations that are with you, that you might receive it, not just for yourself, but what's coming. God, we stand at attention to your word and we make our hearts ready this morning. Because you are a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You are a God of the kingdom of heaven. And so we just declare that kingdom work would happen in our hearts, that we would have a kingdom mindset shift, and that we would be a diligent to impact with this word the next generation and the generations to come. And we thank you, God, for all that your word has to offer us this morning. And we receive it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, wow, that was such a good service so far. Amen. Yeah, wow. Hallelujah. I'm just kind of, just, I'm still kind of taking that in. Can't quite, can't quite swallow it all at once. You've got to kind of let it soak over you. So, Lord, we thank you for all that you've done so far. Hallelujah. <clears throat> I read an interesting, well, I didn't read this, actually. I listened to a message by Graham Cook a while back called The Practice of Delight. And he said, I think the biggest enemy of the church is not the devil. He said, I think it's our own passivity to the majesty of the Lord Jesus. At some point, he said, the good news becomes okay, and Christianity no longer becomes life-changing. It's just a good thought. Just just there. If Jesus doesn't change people into radicals anymore, he said, then the church becomes dull, predictable, and monotonous. Well, I don't want to be dull, predictable, or monotonous. Do you? No. So, <clears throat> in Psalms 8, 1, it says, Lord, your name is so great and powerful. People everywhere see your splendor. Your glorious majesty streams from the heavens, filling the earth with the fame of your name. Amen. Hallelujah. Have you ever stopped what you were doing and wondered about the bigness or the majesty of God? Have you ever found yourself absolutely intrigued by the wonder of God's creation? Stop and look around sometime. When, when we do these things, it's so hard. Not to stand in awe of God, who he is and what he's done. Majesty is a word that the Bible uses to describe or to express a thought of the greatness of God, of his kingship. A couple, three verses that I found. Well, there's lots of verses, but I found these three that I liked. Psalm 93, 1 and 2 says, The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. Indeed, the Lord is robed in majesty and strength. He is armed with strength. Your throne, O Lord, has stood from time immemorial or forever. You yourself are from the everlasting past. Psalm 145.5 says, I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor 
and your wonderful miracles. Second Peter 2.16, Peter says, We're not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. What do you think of when you think of Jesus? How do you imagine him? What words does he speak to you? What, are, what attributes of his character stir your heart? What do you think of first? Well, maybe your answers depend on what you're going through. Why you're coming to Jesus. Maybe you're in trouble. And you're relying on him to help you. Maybe you feel hurt or lonely. And it's his love that comforts you. Maybe you're in darkness. And you long for the light of the world to shine in your life. Whatever it is. Maybe, maybe you're sick and you need God to bring it your healer. Or you're burdened by sin and pain. What is cleansing power in your life? And amazingly, God comes and meets us in all of these things. He helps us in every situation. But first and foremost, He is King of Kings. He is Lord of Lords. So how often do we come to him just for that reason? Rather than, rather than um, coming in, getting our needs met, we come just to worship, just to bow our bended knees before the King and the Lord of the Lord. Yes, he's kind, compassionate, loving, merciful and gentle, but he is still the King. And in all of those things, he is still the King. Revelation 19.16 says, on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He is still the King. And part of our journey in Christ is coming to know him as the King of Kings. He is unlike any other king. He is King of Kings. One of the favorite passages that I have in the Bible is the passage of the Transfiguration. You probably know the story about how Jesus took the three disciples up on the mountain he was transfigured, his clothes shone bright and all that stuff that went on. But what would you have thought? What did you think Peter and John and James thought that morning? What went through their mind? Hmm. What goes through your mind when you contemplate the reality and the majestic splendor? We read the verse in Second Peter 1.16. I'm going to read it again. For we did not know cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter said, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Jesus is a glorious, majestic king. Hallelujah. I don't believe that it's right for us just to be casual or, or just be flippant in a sense, almost with Jesus, because he has to be appreciated with the true reverence and awe that deserves he deserves as king. In John 5.23, Jesus, Jesus said, All men should honor the Son as they honor the Father. I want to read to you some words. It's interesting. I've been kind of working on this message for the last couple of weeks. And, and then on Sunday, Lana Vassar from Australia gave a word, a prophetic word. And it was interesting to me, the word she gave. Because it was so powerful in reference to what I was going to preach about. He, she said this, I'm going to baptize you in awe. I could hear the Lord's voice all around me 
And he kept saying, watch what I'm going to do. Watch what I'm going to do. The sense surrounded me so strongly that what we have seen God do, as glorious and as majestic and wonderful as it has been, is nothing compared to what we are about to see. This incredible baptism of awe into the awe of God is an unprecedented move of his power that will restore the fear of God to the church on a whole new level. The shaking is about to increase in the world in a way we have never seen. But even more, the glory of God is going to be seen in unprecedented ways. He said, I could see people face down the sound of weeping around me. It was a sound of such deep, deep worship of the Lord and His majesty. It comes from a place of seeing Him and beholding Him and His beauty in a way we have never seen Him before. This mighty move of the Spirit of God will baptize each of the people in the awe of who He is. It's going to see, we're going to see such an increase of the mighty deliverance of God upon the many. The old mindsets, the fears, the doubts, traumas, they're going to drop away. And many will arise with a ferocious faith that is rooted and grounded in the revelation of who God is. The provision, the miracles, the acceleration of the manifestation of His promises, the birthing of what God is speaking, all of that is going to a whole new level. I heard the Lord saying over and over, get ready to see what you have never seen before. These are unprecedented days. We are literally entering into the days of awe. Do not look to the right or the left. Through the darkness that surrounds you, it will increase. But keep your eyes on Jesus, for you are about to see mind-blowing provisions, mind-blowing demonstrations of his power and his majesty. The church and the earth have entered into a time where they will tremble at the majesty of God. Many have been in a place of feeling so overwhelmed by circumstances, by loss, by warfare, by pressing, but the birthing time has arrived, she said. It is a whole other level of acceleration, and what God is now birthing in and through his faithful ones will see the unprecedented manifested. He said, I heard the Lord say, do not run ahead, but tread slowly and carefully, leaning deeply and closely upon my chest to hear what I'm going to say. For these new instructions are being released. And as you walk in obedience to my instructions, you are entering a new time of seeing my glory, my power, and the miraculous vision of my hand come forth in unprecedented ways. You will see my glory and my power fill your homes and fill your land. It's time for the fullness of what I promised to begin to manifest in miraculous ways. What I am about to do will be above and beyond what you have ever seen. Wow, like that. I'm going to baptize you in awe like never before. I'm birthing multiple things at once. The enemy has come in many directions, but the Spirit of the Lord will cause the enemy to flee in many directions. For I am baptizing you in awe. I am baptizing you in the revelation of my power. I am baptizing you in the revelation of my holiness and my majesty. I am baptizing you in the revelation of my lordship. Watch and see what I will do. Watch and see. I'm bringing my people to a place of greater purity and preparation. Watch the life that will flow, the resurrection power, the revival, the strengthening that will come as I baptize you in the awe of who I am. Watch faith being birthed, increased, 
as this happens. <clears throat> then I heard the Lord say, from awe to roar. And I saw the Lord baptize his people in awe, the awe of God, and then, and many of their roars are, are being restored. Where there's first love that has diminished, suddenly it will play stronger than ever. Where hearts have been dry and felt barren and dead, suddenly the revelation of who I am become deeper in you, revealing his majesty of revealing the revealing of his majesty is unveiled. First love fire will burn again. So the Lord continued to speak, watch and groan that is being birthed and roar in <clears throat> watch the groan and the roar that is being birthed in and through many that declare with fiery conviction nothing is impossible to those who believe the most unprecedented time of birthing we have ever experienced in the body of Christ has now arrived. Amen? Watch and see what God will do. Watch Him faithfully deliver what He has promised. Watch the overnight miracles. Position yourself in expectancy. People of God, nestle deep into the secret place of Him. For there, for here, for here comes the manifestation of His decree. I'm going to baptize you in awe. I said, wow, I want to be baptized in awe. Don't you? Amen. Amen. In Revelation chapter 1, you read these words. John, he saw a vision of the exalted Son of God, whose countenance shone like the sun, and out of whose mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And it says, I fell at his feet as one dead. Hmm. True faith is covered in reverence, in reverence for the Lord. Godly awe, godly fear, respect of the honor and the glory of the majesty of Jesus Christ. In Psalm 87, 89, 7, it says, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all those around him. This one in whom we believe, Jesus, the one in whom we trust, the one in whom, to whom we belong, he is glorious and worthy beyond anything we've ever seen. He is glorious, and he is worthy of all of our worship. So much of the time, it seems, that's, a, that's something that's missing from our lives, that true reverence of the Lord. You know, sometimes we fall into the trap of, of just, it's just, well, it's just there. God, God, Jesus just a side note to my life. But it can't be that way. God honored him by giving him authority and power over everything. He rules over the world and everything in it. He's not Lord among lords. It doesn't say he's Lord among lords. He is Lord of lords. He's not a force to be reckoned with. He's not someone he's not someone that's vying or fighting with others for for power or position. He's not wrestling with men and with nations and movements, trying to make a name for himself. He doesn't look at the world and say, oh my goodness, it's out of control. What am I going to do to get hold of it? No, all authority and power is given to him in an absolute sense. He is Lord of Lords and he is King of Kings. And great is his majesty. Just look with me, I want to read about 10 verses out of the book of Colossians. And just I want you to close your eyes and just hear these words because Paul 
shares with us a tremendous passage about the truth of who Jesus is. Colossians 1.9 For this reason, we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's you and me. Paul is praying for us, even as he prayed for the Colossians. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. For all patience and long-suffering with joy. Then verse 12 it says, For your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given us by living in the light. And then verse 13, a pivotal verse. For he has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Doesn't say he doesn't say he rescued you from some of the tyrannical rule, a part of the tyrannical rule. It says completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness. For verse 14, for in the son... All our sins are canceled. Let that soak in a second. All our sins are canceled. And we have the release of redemption through his very blood. Then in verse 15 through 7, well, verse 15 and on, he really centers in on who Christ is. He said, He is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God the firstborn heir of all creation. For in him was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realm and in the earth. All that is seen and all that is unseen. Every seat of power, realm of government, principality and authority. It exists through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made and now everything finds its completion in him. Colossians 1.18 says, For he is the head of the body, which is the church. And since he is the beginning and firstborn heir in resurrection, he is the most exalted one. Jesus is the most exalted one. Holding first place in everything. For God is satisfied to have all his fullness dwelling in Christ. And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself. Back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. Let me read that verse once more. And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and in earth is brought back to himself. Back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. That's you, me. Then verse 21. Even as you are once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as a sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. And now there is nothing between you and Father God for he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. 
That's the glory of Jesus Christ. That's what he is, and that's what he has done for us. He is the eternal word, God of gods, the Lord of lords, the King of kings. He is Lord, the exalted Christ. Through his suffering and death, through his resurrection, through his being ascended into heaven, through his being placed at the right hand of God, he now possesses all authority and all power, and he rules over everything to the glory of God the Father. Say when when I say Jesus Christ is glorious, I'm not I'm not concocting a glory for him. I'm, I'm not fabricating an honor to bestow upon him. I'm declaring to you the glory and honor is part of his very nature. It's who he is. It's owed to him as he say as Lord and Savior. He is altogether glorious and great. He is not a beggar who is dependent on man to give him glory. He is he is the Son of God. He is the Lord of Lords. And it is it is his name I am proclaiming to you. I'm not proclaiming to you a movement so you could join it or proclaim to you another name to to show you a great leader among men or I'm not bringing to you a new fad I proclaim to you the son of God the son of the living God to whom belongs all power and glory and honor mm. life is to be found only in belonging to him Nothing we can do can overthrow him, can remove him, can negate his lordship. He is Lord of Lords. You say, well, we'll just see what becomes of you and your church. We will do with you as we please, maybe we say. If we want to give you a little place in our lives, we will. If not, we'll reject you. We don't come to the Lord and say, we'll examine your word and see if it makes sense to our reason. And if it's true, we'll believe it. And if we decide it's not true, we won't believe it or reject it. We'll think our own thoughts, go our own way. Will you do that? Can you do that to the Lord? I don't think so. Or will you negotiate with him? Will you say, well, I like it. Salvation is pretty good. And I could take that part. But I just, I'm not sure if, Every area of my life comes under your lordship. It's convenient in this area and that area to obey you, but not here. There's areas I want to trust you in, especially when things are dark or or scary. Certain times of the day, I want to follow you, Lord, but not exhaustively, not with everything I am. I'm not ready to relinquish complete control of my life to you, Lord. I'm not ready to relinquish my life or my friends and how I pick them. I'm not ready to, to give up my relationships, my dating relationships, my marriage, my family. I'm not ready to give up my work relationships. I'm not ready to bring them under your lordship. I'm not ready to give me my life concerning my goals and what's, what's going to happen to me. I want to do what I want to do. I want my independence, Lord. Do we say that? Do we think that? It can't be that way with us. He is Lord. 
of everything. He is Lord of everything. And by his blood, he has redeemed us and he has made us his own property. In verse 19 and 20 of 1 Corinthians 6, it says, Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? The next verse says, For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He calls us now as the living Lord to whom we belong, to yield, to put our trust in him, to bow down before him, to tremble in awe at his presence, to rejoice in reverence before the Redeemer, our King, to serve the Lord with gladness. Hmm. Amen. We have been saved, but we haven't been saved to go back into the bondage of sin. We haven't been saved so we could serve ourselves. To live a life that pleases us and not Him. In fact, we are not our own. We are the possession of God. Uh, The believer has to say, I am now at His disposal to do His will. I will serve the Lord with fear and trembling. All of my energy, all of my time, all of my possessions, all of my talents, at every occasion, is His. I am a purchased possession, and He is the glorious and only Lord God. So to whom do you belong? Say this, I no longer belong to myself, but by the grace of God I belong to Jesus. He loved me and he gave himself for me. I delight to serve him. I know the glory of my Lord Jesus and I confess that glory. I confess that he is the son of God who purchased me and gave himself for me. And I confess that he is now the Lord who rules over me. Amen. Amen. I I I was reading in the book um, three or four weeks ago called The Awe of God by John Bevere. If you haven't read that book, it's really good. And <clears throat> I just want to share a little bit out of that one one section of his book about a meeting that he was at in Brazil. He went to this meeting in Brazil and he he was a speaker. They brought him into the meeting and he sat down and he said, it was like the presence of God was absent from the meeting. I couldn't figure out what was going on. I closed my eyes and he said, I asked the Holy Spirit, what's happening here? Where's your presence? He said, I opened my eyes and I began to look around and he said, I could see the people were talking and they were, people were going, moving about. Some were going out to the concession stand, coming back with food. It was just kind of a, and it was during worship. And he said, it it was, people were talking, um, they were somewhere looking out the window. They were messing in their purses. They were just doing all kinds of things. But no one was really engaged with worship. And and he thought, well, when worship ends and the leader gives up, it'll change. But it didn't. It didn't change. And he said, I began to get angry as I was sitting there. And so he said, they called for them for me to get up. 
and to share. And he said, instead of just, you know, like you normally do, it's so good to be here. I'm really thankful that you asked me to come to Brazil. He said, I did this, and, and I want to read this section right here. He said, rather, I sternly asked them this question. How would you like it if while someone you speak to sitting across the table, while you speak to someone sitting across the table, they ignore you, they stare at the ceiling as if disinterested, or carry on the conversation of the person next to them? After a moment of silence, I answered my own question. You wouldn't like it, would you? I probed further. What if every time you knock on the neighbor's door, you are greeted with a disinterested look, along with a monotone voice saying, oh, it's only you. Would you continue to go over to his house? No way. And then I said, what if the king of the universe is going, do you think that the king of the universe is going to manifest his presence or speak in a place where he is not honored and revered? Never. If the president of your company came, of your nation came and stood on the platform, he would be granted your full attention. You'd really want to hear what he has to say. Or if one of your favorite soccer players, soccer players, came, you would be on the edge of your seat with anticipation, listening to him. Yet while God's word is being read, you pay no attention to it. It was just like white noise to you. And he said, when I finished sharing that, he said, I shared for a while about the, the awe of God. And he said, I gave the call. I said, if you're a believer and you lack holy fear and you're willing to repent, stand up. Well, 75% of the audience stood up then. And they started crying. And, and the presence of God came in in a wonderful way. And he said, what happened next is one of the most awesome experiences I have ever had in ministry. So the wave of God's presence filled the atmosphere of refreshing and cleansing their hearts. Even as it subsided, a wonderful peace lingered. People hadn't verbally asked for forgiveness or prayed. God's presence manifested there because of their changed hearts. People in the place were reverent and silent and tender-hearted. It seemed good to lead them in a prayer of repentance. It didn't take a lot of discernment to recognize their words were sincere and heartfelt. And moments after they prayed, another wave of God's manifest presence flooded the arena. Once more I could hear sobs and weeping among the people. But more intense this time, he said. It was truly beautiful. And then he said, I heard the Spirit of God say to me, I'm going to visit you once more. I told the people that, and a different pre that a different presence was about to meet, him, meet us. He said it was difficult to explain what happened or to share because words can't do it justice. He said what I'm about to write seemed far-fetched, even unrealistic. But for more than 20 years afterwards, numerous people have confirmed that it took place. He said, imagine standing in a forest and a strong windstorm was blowing. You hear the loud whistling of the wind through the trees. There's a similar sound to the wind that blew through the arena that night. We could feel it. We couldn't feel it, but we heard it. Almost simultaneously, those in attendance erupted to fervent prayer and cries. Their voices thundered, and yet the sound of the wind overpowered their voices. I was stunned and in awe. 
almost terrified by his presence. I couldn't move. I couldn't speak. And there were goosebumps all over. The atmosphere, there was an authority in the atmosphere I never have encountered. And I thought, this isn't the presence of my Abba Father. This is the holy, awesome, mighty king of the universe. He has come to visit us. That's the kind of thing we want to happen here. As we enter into his presence and, and we open our hearts to him, that's what we want to happen. We want him to visit us with his mighty, awesome presence. So let's just take a moment and be quiet before him. Allow him to minister to your heart, to touch your heart, to visit us with his presence. Father, you're so wonderful. Jesus, you're so good. Lord, we thank you for visiting, visiting us with your presence. Come in and touch our hearts. Move us and change us. Your presence, there's joy in, in your presence, fullness of joy. stand Lord the bottom line truth is where you are reverenced where you are honored where you are glorified your presence comes we thank you for your presence, Lord. So come as we honor you. Visit us this day. And every time we gather, Lord, 
as we come to honor you and lift up your holy name. Let your presence be seen. To you be power and dominion forever and ever because you are king. We bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Lift, a, lift, lift, lift up a shout to the Lord. Hallelujah. Bless you, Lord. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. Worthy, worthy. today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious unto you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In Jesus mighty name. Amen. Amen. Go in his grace. Stay in the midst of his presence today.